Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. The date is October 6th. It is a Thursday. And we got some NFL action to talk about. Yes, that's right. We got the whole NFL slate preview, some betting stuff to talk about here and there. And I got to give out the college football picks I got. So, of course, we'll get into all of that. Without further ado, let's get into it. With that, I welcome you into Coach's Corner. As I said, this is a Thursday, a beautiful Thursday in the fall. I feel like it's the first Thursday where we can enjoy the brisk, cool weather of the fall, and it feels just gorgeous out every day. I'm not, you know, sweating and have to take a shower every day. It feels so good outside. That means we're in the prime of football season, and we have some other sports sprinkled in there. Baseball playoffs being a big one. NBA, NHL preseason, all that stuff happening. The sports season is in full swing, ladies and gentlemen. We are here. So very happy about that. Um, real quick, before we get into the whole NFL and college bets that I have placed, um, and the NFL preview, I should say, the college picks that I will give out, we do have the MLB bracket to talk about uh, real quick i want to throw out my wild card predictions you know we start the weekend on or we start the whole wild card really on friday we have multiple games that i think will be pretty um, exciting against some big brands here and there uh, but you know most notably on friday we have the start of it with tampa bay and cleveland and I'm going to run through these a little bit because I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not watching baseball nightly at this point in the year. Uh, I'm watching the Braves, obviously, but like the entire league, I kind of just, I see the big things that happen, but I don't really lock in. And so I'm not going to say I'm the most informed baseball enthusiast about any of these teams, but just from what I know, based off of how I've seen them play throughout the year, I think I can give educated guesses to what I believe is going to happen. And our first game of the Friday wild card series, you know, obviously some good teams here, unfortunately had to play in the wild card. But that's what you get for not finishing top two. And I think the top four teams that did finish that are very deserving, but starting off Tampa Bay, Cleveland, uh, the the Guardians, first years of the Guardians making their way into the postseason. A little bit surprisingly, I mean, they had a solid roster, but people thought other teams in the division would be tougher. But no, Cleveland rises to the top. Jose Ramirez, I think, remains the most underrated player in baseball. I know people call him the best third baseman, but, I mean, he's just so good. He, re he really is just so unbelievably good. And... I think he's very criminally underappreciated in the grand scheme of baseball. Um, but on Tampa Bay side, I mean, I don't want to call them the plucky underdogs, but it feels like they're always the plucky underdogs because of their very low payroll. They always, you know, run out there. Uh, Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, both there trying to 
be the youth movement of the Rays with their big extensions, I believe they got. So a very interesting matchup, I think, stylistically. And the way I'm going to pick this, I'll go with the Rays. And it's not because I think the Rays are just a dominant, better team. It's just the Rays are just always there, you know. And the Guardians are a very good team, have some really solid pieces, but the Rays also have, I would say, similar caliber players. Maybe not as... Like, Shane Bieber and Ramirez are probably comfortably better than most of what the Rays have. However, it's just consistency. It's a consistent organization that always finds themselves winning games, no matter who is placed on the field. So I do have them winning this wildcard series and advancing on. I don't know who they would play. I'm not entirely sure. I want to say they'd play the Astros. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I got that game, that series going to the Rays here. Next series, Phillies Cardinals. And I find this to be a fascinating series. Um, I mean, obviously we know what the Cardinals are capable of in October throughout the 20 years that we've been watching them. They always have this, plucky way of just sneaking into places they shouldn't be the cardinals are very talented at that the phillies find themselves in the playoffs for the first time in 11 years i believe since their world series run i think uh so that's really good for them bryce harper back in the playoffs uh obviously aaron Nola is their big ace or zach wheeler probably is this year um zach wheeler nola and gibson all three very i'd say good starting pitchers to have Cardinals also have to, I don't know who their big aces. Like, I don't know if Jack Flaherty is up to what he used to be, but either way, regardless, I think this is a very intriguing series, but I think that the Phillies have taken, basically they've used all their energy up to be in this wild card position that I think they just won't have enough here for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are like, the way the Rays are consistent, the AL, the Cardinals are just as consistent in the NL. Always find themselves sitting at the top of the Central. Maybe you get a sprinkle year here or there with Milwaukee, but St. Louis is that organization. And I believe the Phillies, despite you know having a fantastic second half of the year after firing Joe Girardi, they just won't have it this series. Then the next wild card game. We go to Toronto, the hot one of the hotter teams in all of baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays. They fired their manager near the beginning of when I started Coach's Corner. So that's uh, you know, funny to look back on when I was talking about that and how maybe that could light a fire underneath them, and apparently it did. So Blue Jays find themselves in this position, I think very good for their positive young core that they have, sprinkled in with some veterans in there. You know, the Blue Jays, I think, have a good chance here. The Mariners, obviously, they make the playoffs for the first time in 20-plus years. I mean, really around 21. But the Mariners make it in with the help of rookie Leo Rodriguez. Obviously, he's been kind of banged up here, so I'm very concerned that the Mariners won't get, like, the best um, possible outcome, like, the best possible chance to win this series because of that. However, you know, they do have Luis Castillo that they traded for and extended. Uh, they have a couple other pieces that I really like, and the Mariners seem like if they're going to win, it's like a team of destiny thing, you know? Like, I I just, if, 
I think they're not going to win the series, unfortunately. I do think the Blue Jays are a better team. They're just a little bit healthier than none of the Mariners. All of that stuff uh, aside, if the Seattle wins this, a team of destiny vibe, and I think they could totally upset the Yankees. Now, I'm not sure they will, but they have a chance. I think the Blue Jays, if the Blue Jays advance and go on to play the Yankees here, I, I'd give the Blue Jays a... 40% chance of winning that series. I really do. I think they would have a shot. And then last but not least in the wild card series, we have the San Diego Padres and the New York Mets. Frankly, San Diego's been playing really well as of late. Uh, obviously, they have Juan Soto and Manny Machado in the lineup. That's very formidable, formidable um, two players there. I think they have good pitching that could match up well with DeGrom, Scherzer, that whole trio uh, with Bassett. And as much as I would love to pick San Diego here, I do think the Mets are a very good team. I think the Mets are very strong in their starters. I think the lineup had just, they ran into a buzzsaw Atlanta Braves team. So people were probably lower on the Mets than they were you know, just a week or two ago, you know, like it turns around really, really quickly because of recency bias, but the Mets are still a really good team and not to take away anything from them and their accomplishments this year. I know they did choke up the A or NL East, but like I said, the Braves were playing out of their minds. And so the Mets shouldn't have that docked points from them. And like I said, the Padres are, I think a tough out here. However, I think the Mets get the win here. I do. I think they pull through. I think they had a good end of the season with, I think, sweeping the Nationals, you know. But, uh, yeah, no. G- give me the Mets here. The Mets-Dodgers, I think, is a fantastic second-round series. That one, two very, I think, I would say iconic brands going at it should be a treat. And I, I'm really excited for that whole series to play out. And a little bit of breaking news. I want to get into that real quick before we do the whole football preview. The Royals do end up firing their manager, Mike Matheny, uh, after three seasons with the club. Obviously, uh, the Royals haven't been relevant in uh, quite some time, and they decided to make a manager change here. I'm sure we'll get a couple more coming out here over the weekend as the season's pretty much done. Uh, but I think the Angels are staying with the interim guy they had. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but they're going to stick with him. An interesting choice for someone. I mean, I mean, I know the Angels just don't really win, but maybe a, man, a manager change to not be the interim would have helped. But we'll never know. It's the Angels. They're out of their minds. <laughs> they just always are. But anyways, let's get into the NFL preview. Now, starting off week number five of the NFL season, I almost call it week six because of college, uh, we have really a battle of two teams that they're trying to get their footing. It's like uh, watching a little baby giraffe first get born, try and stand up on, on its little crazy skinny legs, you know, just struggling to get up, cannot do it. Uh, this is really what it looks like. This is... Colts at the Broncos. Denver's a minus three and a half favorite. 
the over unders at 42. Uh, frankly, for betting purposes, I love the under here just because the Broncos offense hasn't done much of anything that's been worthwhile this year. Uh, the Colts obviously have had their struggles, are without Jonathan Taylor. That's a big piece, I'm guessing, of why this line is more than three. Uh, because, I mean, Matt Ryan's been struggling without a run game, and he doesn't have the perhaps best running back in the league. Obviously, this year he hasn't been that. But you know what I'm saying? Like He doesn't have that, at least the threat of it, that it could happen at any moment. And Naheem Hines is a fine replacement. They have Philip Lindsay, Deion Jackson also out there. Thanks for Jackson Davenport for that info. You know, the Colts have options. Michael Pittman is obviously a great number one. He has been this so far this year. But, you know, like I said, it just hasn't really clicked at all. And I don't know. I don't know if this is the game to do it. A short week, a Thursday night game on the road. Seems like a tall task. But I can't count out that Nathaniel Hackett won't mess up this game royally in a funny way. Because the, the Broncos have stunk in primetime. I, you know, every Broncos game that we've seen, obviously the Monday night game and the Sunday night game, terrible. They were terrible on offense. And they lose, I think, the biggest weapon they had in Javante Williams to an ACL injury. Melvin Gordon hasn't been nearly as impressive as he was last year. So I, if Russ doesn't have a game here, I could see the Colts getting the win here. However, I, I think that combination of Russ and this defense will be enough to overpower the Colts here. The Colts just fighting back right now seems like a battle for the Colts. So I don't see them unless they get off to an early lead. I can't see the Colts like winning this game, unfortunately. Next up, we have the Falcons. We have the uh, Buccaneers. The battle for the NFC South first place. Um, I know it's early on in the season, but it is a it is something to talk about here. Uh, the Falcons' offense coming into it, you know, not really being a I'd say real machine from the looks of it. But when you look at all the metrics, the Falcons are top ten in like run offense. The they're top ten in just like pure offense. Like the Falcons' numbers on offense look so much better than the actual product, and I would obviously say that's because you don't see Kyle Pitts and Drake London being consistently threaded into this offense, but they are doing things that are much more threatening than they were last year. And I think that makes this game a little bit more interesting uh, because, you know, the Buccaneers frankly haven't been, how do I say it? They haven't looked locked in as a Super Bowl contender. They, they've been good. They've been fine. But when you think of teams in the upper echelon, which, I mean, you can say this for a bunch of teams of the league, but the Buccaneers are, I think, an easy one to point out because, you know, obviously Tom Brady's the quarterback, so that obviously draws eyes. Um, but you look at Leonard Fournette. Doesn't have a touchdown, I believe, on the year rushing. Uh, Mike Evans has been banged up. Chris Godwin's been banged up. So it's like, it doesn't feel like we've seen the best that this team can be. And in that short time period, we've seen them just be frankly non-threatening. And it's not to say that they won't like pick it up, get on a hot streak because this Buccaneers team kind of looks like the team that would sleepwalk through a season and get hot at the right time during the postseason. 
make a Super Bowl run. I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm just saying this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, as of today, is frankly not a non-threat for the Super Bowl, in my eyes. Like I said, could flip on any moment, but Tampa Bay is a minus eight and a half favorite here. Over-under is 48. I don't, can't say I love any bet in this game because this could totally, you know, the Falcons revert back to the team we've seen in the past. Obviously, the roster on defense isn't as strong, and Tom Brady can slice and dice them. So eight minus eight could be a steal for like a blowout game here. But if the Falcons offense decides to show up, if Marcus Mariota doesn't throw either a horrendous pick or fumble the ball in the red zone, I think the Falcons can keep this like a field goal game. And if you put if you, if you put a gun to my head, I'm I'm probably say Falcons plus eight and a half. I think that is a good bet because I think the Falcons are just a better team than what everyone ranked them as going into the season. I just purely based on how I read this team. Next game, London game, we have the Giants, we have the Packers, and on pay. I mean, Green Bay's a minus eight point favorite. It, it's shocking to me that this is minus eight, and then you look at the game before it is minus eight and a half. I find the Falcons to be a much more um, threatening team than the Giants with a potentially injured Daniel Jones. And that's not even a bias here. Like it, Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones against this Packers defense is honestly one of the more terrifying things I can think of. Now, Brian Dable has been a great schemer so far this year for them. Uh, but frankly, I think the Packers defense is just very good. And I do like the Packers here, obviously, to win. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, will have a great day. I like, I, I can't imagine, uh, <laughs> unless he's just in a mood, like a bad mood or something. Like I could see this totally being that Aaron Jones gets a bunch of like small passes and rushes for a good amount of yards. Like I could totally see that type of game. One thing I do like here that I did already place a nice little wager on uh, with also a bet that I had tonight, I'll tell you about later, the under. The under in London, I think, is one of the more solid bets every year. It's almost like betting, which another game we'll get to, Oklahoma and Texas over. It's almost like doing that. It's I won't say it's a lock, but it's really, really damn reliable. I don't think it won last week because I mean Saints Vikings put up 20, 20 to 25. I'm sure that exceeded it. But these two teams strike me as an under game, you know? The Packers offense, I won't say is like a dynamic offense, like with Devontae Adams and everything, but even if they do score a decent amount of points, like I can't see it being, I can't see them putting up like 35 to 31 points or more, you know, on this Giants team in London. It's just a 930 start. It doesn't strike me as the bet there. And this Giants offense, like I said, if Saquon doesn't have a day, if Saquon gets bottled up, then. Frankly, I don't know what this Giants offense is. I, I think it's very bad if that happens. And moving on to the next game, we have the Steelers. We have the Bills. We have Kenny Pickett's first start. Uh, unfortunately, he has to travel to Buffalo, a very um, excited environment, I'm sure. The line is Buffalo minus 14. That's a big number. Uh, but I, I, 
like I said, this could be one of those games that Buffalo comes out the gates and just runs them over. However, I do think the Steelers will keep this at least within 10 points. I, I think the Steelers will have like a, a little bit of a surge here. I think there'll be a competitive surge where teams aren't really expecting what Kenny Pickett's going to look like. So they won't know how you know proficient he is, I think, over the middle of the field. And for that reason, I could see this game just kind of sticking around, but Buffalo ultimately pulls away in the end. Now, what I'd like to see from Buffalo is getting this run game going. Because obviously it's been pretty horrible. But, you know, if you can get it against a team that's 1-3, and three, I think you can start to see some... You can start improving it steadily here. Just, they have to. <laughs> they have to. There's just no other... This, the way they're playing on offense is not a sustainable way to run the season. It's just not. But regardless, I think this is a will be a big game to see Josh Allen show out in. Um, obviously, Bill's still dealing with punch injuries, but I do like them here. Another game we got, we have Chargers, Browns in Cleveland. Uh, the Chargers traveling out east-ish, I guess. <laughs> Ohio's not dead, super east, but pretty east compared to Los Angeles here. Uh, so, of Interesting matchup, I think, where I expect the Chargers to win if you just look at both teams on paper, both aspects of, like, Justin Herbert is here. Uh, Mike Williams has been a very reliable target. Austin Eckler finally had the breakout game. However, this seems like a game that the Browns could easily just, Nick Chubb, go get us a win. Because Nick Chubb's been phenomenal this year. This Chargers defense does not scare me. It does nothing for me. Uh, minus Joey Bosa does absolutely nothing for me. Derwin James is obviously good. J.C. Jackson is obviously good. Khalil Mack still has some left in the tank. But I don't know. There's just something about this Chargers defense that doesn't feel like they punch teams to the end. You know, It feels like... They are, they're a boxer that starts off real hot, gets the first couple rounds, but then they get to the halfway point and they just kind of fall asleep and just kind of punch through the motions, but they're not, you know, getting that knockout blow. They're just jabbing a little bit. It's not even good jabs, you know? Like, that's just what the Chargers defense does for me. I think the offense will run as is, but I don't, I don't know. I... I think this is where I'm going to pick the Browns. I think this is one spot where the Browns are just appealing that they won't make too many mistakes here. And, you know, I talk about the Chargers defense. The Browns defense isn't much more inspiring. It's just I think the Nick Chubb will have a great day. Uh, moving on to a game that will probably be pretty stinky. Um, Vikings-Bears. In Minneapolis, a 1 o'clock Kirk Cousins game. Be on the lookout for that. Curious to see how this Bears defense will do because I think the Vikings offense is due for, like, a big explosion. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins, those four touchdowns, no interceptions type game. Like, one of those where we're like, ah, Kirk Cousins is actually pretty okay. It feels like we haven't gotten that yet, but the Bears defense obviously isn't no slouch. Like, they're... It feels like we're due for a couple things here. 
And this could totally seem like it could be a Bears win. Like a Bears just, they stick in the game long enough to make it annoying for the Vikings to like just be in a game with the Bears. Like just enough. However, I talked about how bad I think the Bears are doing this whole franchise and the NFL thing. (laughs) Just frankly, I can't see the Vikings. you know, losing to that. I can see them playing down to that level, but I can't see them losing it. I can't see Justin Fields taking a lead against this Vikings offense and holding it. The only way I can see it happening, Khalil Herbert having a fantastic day. That's the only scenario I see something like the Bears winning is Khalil Herbert runs for 150 yards and three touchdowns. Something ridiculous. Then we get the Lions at the Patriots, the poor little Lions with zero defense, but all the offense. I think they're getting Amon Ross St. Brown back, which will be a big boost. Uh, Jared Koff obviously has been fantastic this year, doing his job well. Jamal Williams has filled in very nicely for DeAndre Swift, and Hawkinson is a threat. Uh, the Patriots side of the ball, Mac Jones still out. I believe they're running with Bailey Zappi at quarterback. I I hope they are. I hope they don't. I don't know if Brian Hoyer's like can come back or anything, but I hope they don't go back to him because I just I find him to not be you know like I don't I don't find Brian Hoyer to be the exciting player that could win you a game as a backup. He he could just like exist and hold a lead if you're quarterback like gets a little bit hurt and you want to keep him safe but you know Brian Hoyer isn't winning a game now against the Lions he very well could I don't think he's going to play though this could be the Bailey Zappi show out game and it's very interesting that you know obviously I think Vegas learned their lesson last week with having the Lions as favorites because they are a three-point underdog New England has the advantage here And I think that's very telling about this Lions defense, how bad they've been. Like I said, historically bad defense. Um, But I don't know. I think there's something. I don't want to say that the air is kind of sucked out of this Patriots team because I don't think it is. They obviously took the Packers to overtime last week. Uh, but, you know, I think that was just like, I think that was a kind of a flash in the pan thing. I think they'll be competitive in this game. But the Lions, just the Lions offense, I think it's just really creative and manages to find a way to get the playmakers in space. And I like their chances in this game on the road. I know very shocking, but I give me the Lions. Seahawks traveling over to New Orleans to face the Saints. Geno Smith is having a great year. Rashad Penny's having a pretty solid year. Uh, the Saints, I don't know if Jameis is back. I think he might be. Either way, Jameis or Andy Dalton, both are kind of in the same boat, I think, skill level right now. New Orleans is a minus five favorite. I find that interesting. Because, I mean, the Seahawks team has been better than what we thought. The Saints team has been worse than what we've thought. And I think I'll pick the Saints here. And it's not because I love the Saints just team makeup against the Seahawks it's just I feel like we're due for a Geno regression this seems like a really prime Geno doesn't play well spot 
and the Saints do just enough to win. I mean, they competed hard against the Vikings. I think the Vikings were just a better team, found a way to not blow the game on the field goal miss at the end. Just for those reasons, I think the Saints will just hang around enough, and Geno will keep them in the game. I think this will be a a rough Geno showing on the road. Uh, Dolphins at the Jets. Miami's a minus three and a half favorite with Teddy Bridgewater being the starter here. And I find that interesting since, you know, the Jets have Zach Wilson back and it is at home. And we've seen some good parts about this Jets team. We've seen some good aspects. But really, they're kind of Vegas is betting on Teddy Bridgewater to dink and dunk his way with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle to a win here. I can't frankly blame them. And I'm going to do the same here. I'm going to take Miami. I think Miami defense will overpower Zach Wilson. Uh, obviously, the Steelers defense is very good and could have really posed some issues, but they're missing some players, so it's not like, you know, it wasn't, I think, as swarming as this Dolphins defense is. This, the Dolphins defense, I won't say is better than Pittsburgh, but I think they have a tenacity to them where they won't give in at all. Like, they... You will have to play very strong football against them. Like you have, you can't really slip up. And Zach Wilson seems like the guy that will slip up for at least a half and go down way too much. Just won't really be able to fight back. Next game, Titans Commanders. This is a very ugly sounding game, uh, and this is this is one where I just I this might be the Ron Rivera goes game, and I hate to say that. But at home, the Titans aren't super threatening this year. They're okay. And frankly, this is just more of a I don't believe in the commander's offense more than I think the Titans are good. I think Jeffrey Simmons will have a great day, will cause wreck havoc on Carson Wentz's playing playing time. Derrick Henry, I expect to have an, a solid day. Kind of, He's kind of moving back how he used to, so... Just, I see the Titans doing just enough. This seems like a close, ugly game. Like, 22-17 to 17 type ugly. I just, over-under is 43.5. I like that under. Tennessee's minus 2.5. Obviously, that makes sense to like them. Texans at Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville's minus 7. I hate that. It seems like way too much for a Jacksonville team that had just really had a, I'd say, embarrassing loss against Philadelphia. I mean, you jump out to a 14-0 lead, you expect to keep that, but they didn't hold on to it. Trevor Lawrence kind of looks pedestrian in certain spots, but then you have the Chargers game where he looked confident as ever. Now, if he can look like that against the Texans, I think it's very warranted seven points they're given here. Uh, but frankly, I think they need to do what's got them to this point, getting two wins, feed the ball to James Robinson. James Robinson's been a bell cow running back for the Jaguars past season, so keeping that train going, getting him the ball some more. Even though he fumbled last week, the Texans obviously just struggle with Austin Eckler. It seems like a great spot for Etienne or James Robinson to have a day against this poor Houston defense. And, I mean, on that other note, I, I think the Damian Pierce show can really break out again once it, like, Miles Sanders ran the ball, I think, very, very convincingly on Sunday against this Jaguars defense. Their defensive line doesn't scare me, and their their linebackers outside of Devin Lloyd, 
aren't, I think, developed to the point where the run defense will be stout. I think this will just be like a very, this seems like a very average rushing day for Damian Pierce that he could get out there. 49ers at the Panthers. I don't know how the Panthers keep getting four o'clock games for against West Coast teams. This seems like a nightmare case scenario for Ward Baker Mayfield. You know, obviously the the rumblings are out there already that he's like done. Like it, it's this relationship seems unsalvage, unsalvageable at this point. The Panthers are dead. I there's not a team that looks more dead in the water than the Panthers, and they look that way against the Cardinals, who aren't much better than them. And so for that reason, we just watched this 49ers team dominate the Rams up front. Obviously, the Rams aren't the same Rams, but anyways, like, I don't see what makes the Panthers that much better than the Rams. And so I think this could get very ugly. D'Amico Ryan could make Baker Mayfield look awful on Sunday. I'm really banking on this 49ers defense to have a game. Um, San Francisco minus six and a half. I don't hate it. I don't hate that at all. Cowboys at the Rams. This is, I think, a very um, intriguing game for narrative purposes. And this is because if Cooper Rush goes on the road here and moves to 4-0 as a starter for the Cowboys, there will be a controversy. Now, obviously, it won't mean anything because we know Dak Prescott's getting paid the money by Dallas, and we've seen how that works with Zeke and Tony Pollard. But, like, it'll be a, a prominent discussion because it is the Dallas Cowboys. And frankly, this isn't far-fetched to say the Cowboys could win this game. Now, the Rams are minus five and a half. I hate that line for the Rams. I really do because they should be the better team. Like, they, they have... Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, the run game I think can really do wonders here. Like the Rams have better players, I think, if you line up guys against the Cowboys. But I think the Cowboys' cohesiveness is what makes them such a strong team this year. Their defense is playing really, really good. Dan Quinn, I think, is one of the best coordinators in the league. Now, head coaches, I think his stock goes way down. But as a defensive coordinator, I think he's proven that he is a very solid choice and guy to have. So I think the Cowboys get the upset here. At least they cover the points. Like it, they lose by at least a field goal if they do lose. But I think Matt, Micah Parsons, this might be the defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons game. And Matthew Stafford hasn't looked good on like not throwing picks and Trayvon Diggs definitely wants to jump a route. He's begging to give up a ton of yards but get one interception and then hype it all up on Twitter. That's not the AJ Terrell hater in me that's or lover in me. That's definitely not. I definitely don't hate the Cowboys for that reason. Either way, give me the Cowboys, but also like the Cowboys spread as well, even if they do lose. A very intriguing game. Eagles on the road at the Cardinals. Uh, the Eagles obviously have been the best team in all of football. There are minus five here. I love that. The Eagles are playing in a dome. <laughs> That's very important to notice here because Jalen Hurts has looked really good when he the conditions are right. I don't know. A.G. Brown, I think, has been the most consistent receiver in the NFL. Hasn't had a huge breakout game, I would say, like eight catches, 160 in t- touchdown type game. Maybe one of his first games, but regardless, you know, 
AJ Brown, I think, will have a day. He has one touchdown on the year. I feel like he's due, you know? And this Cardinals defense doesn't scare me at all. If anything, I think Kyler Murray will have his work cut out for him. And we'll see if Kyler Murray is really up to the task here. I think this would be a very instrumental instrumental game in Cliff Kingsbury's tenure, too. Because if he can compete here, at least try and buy a couple more weeks, I think that works out well. But if he gets blown off the field here by Nick Sirianni and the Eagles, I don't know how much you can justify keeping him. Also, the over-under is 49. That seems like a weird number. I might like the under there in like an Eagles blowout kind of way that the Cardinals can't come back from. But I, I also can see the case for the over if the Eagles score a lot and then the Cardinals just garbage time their way into the game. Maybe a first half under, second half over, one of those scenarios, but regardless. Moving on real quick, we got the Bengals at the Ravens. Uh, Sunday night football, Joe Burrow. I'm. This is a big game for Joe Burrow, I think, this season. Uh, just because it's prime time, Joe Burrow, I think, shines when the lights are on. And he does play really well against the Ravens. Now, I don't know if the Ravens have looked at the tape this year. Maybe they figured out something that they can do to slow down Joe Burrow and company. Because Jamar Chase hasn't had a fantastic start to the year. T. Higgins has. But, you know, Joe Mixon's been mixed results, as always. And the Ravens, I think, frankly, have been one of the more disappointing teams in how they've, you know, finished games. I mean... Obviously, against the Patriots, they tried to let them back into the game. They blew the game against Miami, blew the game against Buffalo, and out the week one was against Joe Flacco. So I don't think the Ravens necessarily have an impressive win on the resume yet, and I don't know when that will come, but I could very well be on Sunday against the Bengals here. Now, they get the advantage of being at home. I think the Ravens are a sneaky good home team. Uh, just like the environment and everything of like how their stadium is like just a good energy to them. But one thing that I do like about this Bengals team is just, I think they have a resiliency to looking themselves in the mirror, finding certain issues and tweaking it just a little bit to make sure they're not worse than what they've been. I think that's a strength of theirs. Baltimore's minus three and a half. I don't hate it. I think I might pick Baltimore in this game to win. Then Monday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium. We have the Raiders at the Chiefs. Ooh, man. Kansas City's minus seven, and that feels a wee bit generous. Now, Raiders finally got a win last week. They much needed a win against the Broncos. Uh, coming back, they always kind of give the Chiefs a tough time. Like, not it's not an easy game, but for me, this I think this game ends up more like their second meeting last year. Now, I believe the Raiders won in Kansas City before, but then they had a Sunday night game. Uh, Kansas City traveled to the Raiders, and it was a shootout. I remember it being a shootout. However, Chiefs ended up winning, I believe. And I could see that very same thing happening here. I mean... Great. I, I've been so high on the Chiefs defense. I think, like, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and people are trying to put Josh Allen, Justin Herbert ahead of him. Ridiculous clown talk. Uh, the Chiefs defense is solid. Like, it just is. They 
as much as people want to give credit for Kansas City continuing to score on Sunday, I mean the Raiders de- or the Chiefs defense did a really good job of stopping Tom Brady each of those drives to get that massive lead. So I don't think people are talking about that unit nearly enough. Uh, I don't think the Raiders really have this whole. I don't know if they figured out what this balance of Josh McDaniels, you know, coaching the offense like. I don't know. Feels feels like the chemical balance of this offense is just a wee bit off. Like you're relying too much on Devontae Adams. You're not giving the ball to Darren Waller enough. Josh Jacobs is getting too many carries. Like it's, I'm not saying he is, but you know what I'm saying. Like there's just little things. Like if they just poured a little bit more of uh, Devontae Adams underneath routes, Darren Waller play action shots, like. Imagine test tubes, they all got different size liquids, but they all need to be level. That it's just off. It's just off. I don't there's no other way I can describe that team. So there's your Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Thursday night, Monday night, NFL week five preview. And before I head out of here, I will give you my winner bets for this past week. Now let's get into it. Now, talking about last week's betting slate, now I gave you picks. I gave you some good picks. As a whole, I didn't take very good picks, you know. Like looking at the record, I went 9 and 8. Now that's positive money if you're looking at the one game being the positive money of that. However, um when I placed the bets down, I basically went <laughs> I went 1 and 2 for I think nearly all of them except the mortal locks that I had. You know, I I had the mortal lock of the Chiefs minus 1, Michigan State or Michigan State Maryland under 60 and a half. That was easy. That was the one I put big money on, got big money results from it obviously. But the rest of them, I don't think I hit another single one of them. I I don't think I I don't think I did. I think I lost every single one cuz I went 1 and 2 for every one of those picks. But like I said, nine and eight isn't a bad week. Could obviously go under that, uh, you know. And I didn't. I didn't. Oregon saved me the last bet. I was tied eight to eight, and I needed the last one to pull through, of course, and it did. So not bad. But looking ahead to this week, we're on a good note. We're feeling fantastic. We had a Wednesday night football game here. UCF, SMU, both had a bye heading into this next week, I think. So that's why they moved it all the way to Wednesday because of the hurricane. And I was like, you know what? I saw a thing. SMU has a lot of kids, I think, entering the transfer portal using their, like, basically redshirt gear. Because SMU is, I think, kind of, like, hit their ceiling. They're kind of not doing a lot right now as a program. Not really doing, like, much of anything in the American Conference. So they're a little bit shaky on the shaky side. And I think UCF has a good offense, uh, can score a ton of points. They're at home. Everything just pointed to UCF minus two. And Buddy did a hit. UCF was down at halftime 13 to 10. And I was like, oh, God, here we go again. Starting the week off on a bad note. But in the second half, we had everything go our way. It was beautiful. They UCF continued to score touchdowns. I don't know if they scored a touchdown on every drive. They didn't because they punted once. But 
they scored a touchdown on most drives. They ended the game, I believe, like they won the game 40, I want to say 41 to like 17, 16, or 20. Like either way, UCF covers that two points gloriously. They get me my first win of the week. We are 1 0 already. And I paired this game. This was one I put a little bit more than I would on other games. I put this game and the under I gave you earlier, my NFL lock, the Giants and Packers under 41 and a half. So with that, we have a winner to start off. We got a couple Friday games that I do like. Uh, <laughs> this There's one I'm really nervous about, but there's one that I love. The one I love is Nevada minus three and a half against Colorado State. Colorado State stinks this year. Colorado State might be the worst team in all of Power Five, or not Power Five, but in the FBS. They're frankly a really, really sad team. I think they just got their first win. Uh, Nevada's all right. Nevada's a solid, solid team, uh, but they've they've done a good job of covering their games. Colorado State has not. They are zero and four against the spread so far this year. The signs point to Nevada winning this game just outright or they're they're favorited but they're gonna win this game and i think it'll be by more than three i i could see this being a comfortable win now i have that i don't have this game written down so i won't think of it but in the money i will but i also have houston memphis over 57 and a half now that's a really big number the game is in memphis and houston Frankly, Houston just keeps playing on Fridays and Thursdays, and I honestly appreciate that because I always see them, and I'm like, I know what Houston is. I can bet on them, and I do it every time. They draw me in. Houston is a team that is just a fun bet on Friday, Thursday games because they always play them, so it's like I I recognize Houston. I feel like I know Houston very well, and I know Houston has a good offense. I know they do. Whether they show up or not is a big question. Against Memphis, uh, last year I remember this game because, uh, of course, I it was on a Thursday and I took Houston. And Houston did a good job in the game. They barely got the cover, but they scored a lot of points. It was a very messy game, very sloppy. Houston will either look like one of the better American Conference teams or they'll just be a slop fest of penalties and dumb mistakes. Now, I'm betting on the offense here to put up points. So we'll see how that works out for me. But two Friday games here that one I like, one I love. Now, heading to the Saturday slate, I am I have a bunch of picks. However, I have the ones that circled as the ones I'm actually doing anything about. First, we have Texas versus Oklahoma, the Red Rivalry, uh, Red River Showdown, Shootout, whatever you want to call it. Frankly, this Texas is minus seven. Quinn Ewers is slated to come back. Dylan Gabriel, I don't think is going to play. Uh, but this this game always brings fireworks. I think you know now Oklahoma normally just beats them by a lot, but Texas and Manses put up points. And Texas is like seven and three against the spread in the last ten meetings. But I don't love either of those. You know, I don't love either of the bets there with Oklahoma or Texas plus minus either way. I like the over here. I like Texas, Oklahoma to score a lot of points. Uh, the line is 65 and a half. Frankly, I don't think Oklahoma can guard anyone. 
They can't stop a cold. Like it's just the Oklahoma defense right now is not developed nearly as much as Brett Venables would like. Texas can score a lot of points. I think they can put up 40 on Oklahoma. Really, Dylan Gabriel being out is the part that scares me. However, I don't find Texas's defense that much more scary. I mean, Texas Tech put up a decent amount of points on them, and I don't think Texas Tech has a scary offense, you know. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, has a little bit more uh, pizzazz, can score some. We'll see what this backup does. Hopefully, maybe Dylan Gabriel toughs it out. I don't know, but... Over the last eight games against these two teams, seven and one is the over. So I just frankly like that. Uh, moving down a bunch of games here. Duke minus two and a half against Georgia Tech. Now, Duke is seven and one against the spread in the last eight meetings here. I think Duke is frankly just a straight up better team. And this has a lot of feelings of how I felt get betting on the UCF game. I think Duke's just a flat out better team. Georgia Tech obviously got the boost, the bump of the interim coach last week. Two weeks in a row, I'm not sure about it. I do think Duke has a solid enough team. Uh, Like, it's not a Duke team that's one of the worst in the country. I think it's a Duke team that's very slightly below average. So, Georgia Tech, who I think stinks, is just worse than a Duke team that I think is solid and I they competed enough with Kansas to convince me to bet on them this week. Uh the next one I have I don't have a good reasoning for it. Western Kentucky versus um, UTSA over 72 and a half. That is a gargantuan number. I know. I understand. But sometimes you see a number so big you're just like points. I want to see points. That would be an awesome over to see hit. And this is how I feel. I think both defenses stink out loud. I don't think this will be a game of many punts. And I think both of these teams will score a lot of points, either due to mistakes from the offense turning the ball over or the offense just scoring outright. I don't see the either team stopping. Like I don't see a defensive slugfest. If it is, sorry, this screams like last week I bet Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina because I looked at it and I was like, points. It was 64 and a half or no, 60 and a half. And I bet it. And of course it hit because points. I I had a feeling, I had a gut feeling. This is another one where I'm just like, you know what? I just like Western Kentucky and UTSA to have a shootout. 72 and a half is a ridiculous number. So of course I have to bet it. I, I have to. The, the, the universe wouldn't be right if I did it. So I did. And the next one is probably my scariest bet of the week. The one that I'd be is like, I'm not super thrilled about, but just enough to where I like it. Ohio State minus 26 and a half versus Michigan State. Now, last year, I bet this game as well. And Ohio State couldn't have beat Michigan State by more points. Like, it was an absolute bloodbath. I think they were up 49 to nothing at one point. It was my like lock. It was my lock of the year, I think. I I had that game and it was the easiest. Like it's a game that I'll think about forever that I was so I saw it so clearly. This year, I don't see it as clearly. However, I still like it. <laughs> I still really like Ohio State here. Uh, uh, CJ Stroud keeps putting up a lot of points. Michigan State, frankly, their offense doesn't scare me. 
enough to where I think they'll like close a gap here in garbage time. So Ohio State just handled Rutgers, and I, I view Michigan State and Rutgers not on the same level, but this season in particular, they're not really far apart. So um, Ohio State is five and zero against the spread in the last five meetings, and they're also there's also seven and two in the last nine at Michigan State. So I don't think the home field advantage frankly scares them. It's just what it is. Uh, now we have two games with two service academies that, I mean, the number's just so high here. Um, Air Force versus Utah State. I have the under 55 and a half. This is like literally I just wrote service academy unders. They run the triple option. They don't do much of anything else. And Utah State doesn't have a good offense, I don't think. Like they're not, you know, UTSA level even as a, you know, lower tier conference team. So for that reason, I like Air Force here to get the win and also not score a ton of points, just kind of eat up the clock as they would do. So give me the under 55 and a half here. Uh, The next service academy is a notable team here, Army versus Wake Forest. Now, the under is set here at 66 and a half. I do like that under just because I think Wake Forest can score a ton of points, but Army, frankly, won't do as much. This is kind of me betting against what I did last week. I had Georgia State and Army on the over. A similar type number. I think it was like 10 points less, though. And it still didn't hit. So Army, I thought, would have a better offense than what they did. Frankly, I don't think they do. I think the offense is service academy offense. Like, triple option, all that jazz. What gets scary is will Wake Forest do all the scoring and Army covers like a couple to hit the like over there i don't think they do just because i think army will eat up a lot of clock so i i like the under here the 66 and a half is a much bigger number than 55 and a half so i like this game a little bit more but also like i said service academy unders they're just a juicy number just always are especially if they're over 45 then the next game, <laughs> I swear, I, I swear I don't have that many games, but three more to get through here. Last game, I mean, yeah, Illinois minus three and a half versus Iowa. Now, this game is in Illinois, so that's very notable. That's Iowa has a sneaky environment, but they're not going to have it to support them. Illinois, frankly, is a pretty solid offense. Not like nothing to like laugh at. Uh, they're playing good football recently. They just blew out Wisconsin. Uh, Iowa's offense is putrid. Like makes me want to throw up when I think about it. Awful offense. Now the defense is okay, but the thing is, I think <laughs> I just I literally think the offense is that bad. Illinois will get a couple breaks where they just do enough. And the stat I do have to back me up here: Illinois is actually seven zero and one against the spread versus teams with a winning record. And obviously Iowa has a winning record, uh, but Illinois has done well against those teams. And at home, I think this will be like a little bit more juice. And like Iowa's offense does not scare me. James Madison minus 11 and a half versus Arkansas State. Now, James Madison, it's their first year in the FBS, and would you look at it, they're having a great year. I think they're having 
a very impressive showing in their first full season in the FBS. Uh, I think they'll be one of the teams in the, you know, I think they're in the Sun Belt. They'll be one of those teams that just like teams will schedule as like their kind of preseason-ish game and they'll go in and they'll beat them. I, they have App State type potential to them. Uh, they might be better than App State. They are. They beat App State this year. So what am I saying? Yeah, James Madison minus 11 and a half. The Dukes are 8-0 against the spread versus teams under 500. Arkansas State doesn't scare me any. I haven't seen them really make any upsets or any impressive wins over one of those bad teams. However, you know, just James Madison, I like their quarterback also too. He's he's kind of made a quiet name for himself on certain lists that I've seen of good quarterbacks. And the last game I have for you before we get out of here, North Carolina State minus three versus Florida State. And the reason I like this, you know, North Carolina State coming off a loss against Clemson, I think that's they disappointed, but they get to go home. I think uh, North Carolina State at home is one of the better teams, especially in the betting markets. R- Raleigh really rocks, especially at night. I think it's like a smallerish stadium look to it. So a Florida State coming in, I don't think they're ranked again this year or this week, but. You know, Florida State is a solid program, so that's why this spread is close. Um, but, you know, Florida State really didn't compete with Wake Forest, and I've, I I don't know if I talked about it yesterday or the day before, but I find Wake Forest and North Carolina State on very similar type levels. I think North Carolina State has a better defense. Um, but, yeah, no, North Carolina State at home, also at night, both are factors that I think are big in this game. Uh, if Florida State wins this, I, I got to tip my cap. Like I, I can't be mad that if they win this because that would be a hell of a win. However, my two stats I have to back this up. Seminoles are 1-9-1 and one against the spread in the last 11 meetings in North Carolina State. Uh, in their last 21 meetings overall, Florida State is 3-17-1 against the spread. So bad numbers for Florida State. Like I said, on the road, at night. North Carolina State coming off a tough loss. I think they'll have something to prove, and I think they'll do it pretty well. So that's all my picks I have for you. Hopefully they're all winners. I'll give you the update. I have the entire card. Um, obviously, I'd have games that I'm not going to like actually bet on, but I have all the picks that I really do like. So I'll give you the record when we come back next week. We'll do all that stuff that we did this week. Hopefully, we'll we'll have some baseball to recap. Really, we'll have, I think, our, really our whole playoff how we normally have it. We'll have that set up, talk about. We'll have obviously all the football to talk about over the past weekend. It's a, it's a big sports weekend. We got a lot of stuff to watch. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I don't know how many screens I'm gonna have up going, but I definitely will have my work cut out for me. But I'm looking forward to it. So with that being said, I am your host, Lucas Kochevar. As always, make sure to like, share, subscribe the show, grow it, do whatever you can. I appreciate all the love and support. Let's have a great weekend, folks. Let's have a good, good weekend. Let's win some money. Let's get some positive vibes going. So as I said, all the good stuff and enjoy all the sports this weekend. Goodbye.